True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us today for our Christmas lesson over Simeon, the man of God that we've seen in the temple who meets Jesus. In today's lesson, we're going to look at who Simeon was what he, and what he said in order that we might take direct application from it and see that as Simeon was a truth seeker, we should be truth seekers as well. Thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. This week we're on Simeon. Last week we did shepherds, and next week we'll do the wise men. Uh, so Simeon, he was an interesting guy. Simeon probably knows a lot about Simeon because he was named Simeon. But um, Simeon was an interesting guy. He had a cool promise from God, and he's in the, the Christmas story, the birth story. But he's kind of at like the end of it. He's when he's eight days old, and so he doesn't get mentioned a ton. Uh, but one thing about Simeon is that he's, he's a man who always sought after truth. Okay? He was a truth seeker. So he's always seeking truth, and we can tell that by what he says and what it says about him in the Scripture. We can tell that he was a truth seeker. And when I think about uh, somebody that's seeking something, I've been reading the Chronicles of Narnia. Okay, which I've read before. Okay, but how many of you guys have read the Chronicles of Narnia or some of the Chronicles of Narnia? <clears throat> okay, they're pretty good books. If you haven't read them, you should read them. C.S. Lewis, he's very good. He's a wizard at writing, and the allegory is really good in all of them. But in the Voyage of the Dawn Shredder, yeah, you guys remember that one? No. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to tell you about one thing. But the whole premise of the story is that King Caspian is searching for these seven lords, okay? And he's looking for them. And I'm not going to spoil it, okay? But on this search, obviously, as with every book, he goes through a lot of adventures to find them. But he keeps looking and keeps looking and keeps looking. Um, and there's this one scene, okay? And it's this one. And by the way, the movies do not do justice to the books. Okay, and they're way wrong. Okay. The first one does the first one does pretty good. Okay, but uh Voyage of Dawn Treader, like that's not even really close in some areas. Uh Prince Caspian is terrible. Prince Caspian's really bad. Yeah, so anyway, all that aside, Prince Caspian, uh, Prince Caspian, or actually he's King Caspian in this one, but King Caspian in this one, he's, he's searching for these seven lords. And there's this scene when they're, um, they're in their ship in this big uh, animal. What's up, Evan? There's this uh, scene where this big sea serpent, okay, it's like a snake, comes up out of the water and it's, it's going to eat them or whatever. We don't know what it's going to do, but they're all scared of it. And it starts wrapping itself around the boat. Okay, and this isn't really how it goes in the movie, but in the book, he starts wrapping himself around the boat, and he's like coiling around the boat to crush it, right? And they're all like, oh man, what's going to happen? We're all going to die. And then Reepicheep, you guys all know who Reepicheep is, right? Reepicheep. Reepicheep. Reep okay. All right, Reep the mouse, okay? Reepicheep the mouse. He, he's got a little squeaky voice, but he's about like this tall, and he always carries a sword, and he has a red feather in his hat. Anyway, thank you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, this mouse, he's on the ship, and this sea serpent is wrapped around the boat. And everyone's like, what are we going to do? So they all start hitting it with swords, and the swords don't work. You can't penetrate its armor. And this little rat is like, hey, let's push it. Let's push this thing. And we're going to push the serpent, and maybe we can slide the boat out from under 
the serpent. They do it, and I'm not going to tell you if it works or not. But the whole point of this is that King Caspian, this, through all this searching for these lords, he kept looking, and he kept looking, and he kept searching, and he kept searching for these lords. Okay? All the way to what they would say would be the end of the earth. Okay? So for those of you who haven't watched it, or I mean read it, you need to read it. Um, but King Caspian wanted to know the truth about what happened to these, and he sought it, and Simeon was the same way. Okay, he was the same way in the Old Testament. Remember, he's an Old Testament character. Okay, I know we're reading in the New Testament, but he's a before Christ died and rose again character, right? So he's an Old Testament character, and he, he knew a lot about what was going on. Okay, at this point in life, he was old, and we can see that he already sought the truth, and he knows the truth. Okay, so we're going to look at three things about Simeon, uh, and then we're going to take application from him. The first one that we're going to look at is the person of Simeon. This is Luke 25 through 26. I'm going to read all the way from 25 to 35, and then we'll come back to 25 and kind of go over that as well. Okay, so hopefully you're there. It's Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 25. <clears throat> and there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the temple, and the parents brought in the child... Jesus to carry out for him the custom which was the custom of law. And he took him into his arms and blessed him and said, Now the Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, in light of revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother, meaning Jesus' father and mother, Mary and Joseph, were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed him, and they said to Mary's mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for the sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul, to the end of the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. All right, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll start in verse 25. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day you've given to us. Thank you for all you've done for us, God. And um, we just pray that today that you'd speak through me. It wouldn't be my words, but yours. I pray for the congregational meeting that's going on outside, God, that um, you get everybody wisdom through it and clarity as they go through and talk about everything that's going on. Uh, we love you, God, and we pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the person of Simeon. Man, that one's really cut off. I guess you just have to look at that one. Uh, the person of Simeon, verse 25 and 26. Simeon, first one we're going to look at is his character, like who he was, okay, who he was. So this is in verse 25 and 26. In verse 25, I'm going to reread it so we have it in our minds. But it says, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So the first thing we, we're going to look at with the person uh, is that he was righteous. Okay? That he was righteous. Okay? And this, is, this could be two different things. Okay? Two different things as we look at it. Okay? The definition of righteous is living right. Okay, like living the right way, doing the right thing. That's righteous when you're being righteous, right? Also, it could mean that you're justified before God, like you're righteous before Him, because when Jesus pays for your sins, you know, and then you believe in Him for eternal life, then you get His righteousness, right? And then you're righteous before God because you have Christ's righteousness. Is that right? Yeah, so it could mean that you are saved, is how we would say it. You're saved eternally, right? And so in the Old Testament, if you look back and you think back on it, there's, this word righteous was used of men to say that they had believed in the coming Messiah. Okay, and remember, this is still Old Testament. Okay, Simeon is Old Testament. So, like Noah, it said he was a righteous man. Okay, he also walked with God, 
um, and he was obedient to God. But when it says he's a righteous man, it's talking about his faith. Uh, it talks about Abraham. talks about Joseph as being, and talks about these guys as being righteous. And a lot of times it's using that righteousness as, hey, this guy has believed in the coming Messiah. So it could be that Simeon here is a righteous man, as in he's believed in the coming Messiah, which we know he does by other contexts. Or it could mean that he was living righteously. Okay, It could be either one. Um, honestly, if you were to ask me, I think it's talking about he believed in the coming Messiah. Okay, Because that's what the Old Testament, when it says he was a righteous man, that's usually what it means. He was believing in the coming Messiah. So I think Simeon was believing in the coming Messiah here. He was a believer, basically. Uh, he was a believer. It could be talking about the other one, uh, but the other one is in the second one, the second characteristic that we see, and that's that he was devout. Okay, so if you look at it, it says, okay, he's righteous in verse 25 and devout. Okay, so what does devout mean? It means the Greek word literally means God-fearing. God-fearing. So it means you fear God. And so Simeon was one that would, that would uh, fear God or that did fear God, which means he was a wise man. Okay, looking at Proverbs. Okay, there's a couple verses from Proverbs that deal with fearing God and wisdom or knowledge. Uh, the first one is Proverbs 1.7. That's the top one. The fear of Yahweh or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom and instruction fools despise. And then Proverbs 9.10. The start of wisdom is the fear of Yahweh or God and the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. So in both these verses, the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom. If you want to have knowledge and wisdom, you have to have what? Fear of God. The fear of God. The fear of the Lord. Fear of Yahweh. However you want to say it, right? So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. So if Simeon was a God-fearing man, then do you think he was a wise man? Probably. Do you think he was a knowledgeable man? Yeah, probably. And we're going to see he was knowledgeable. Okay, so he fears God. It also means that he had fellowship with God. Right? When you're, when you're saying fears God, okay, that's that idea of fellowship with God. Okay, and so he has this fellowship with God, which we'll look at in more in a little bit. But he's not just saved. Okay, he's not just believing in the coming Messiah, but he's also being sanctified, right? Which means he's growing in the Lord. Okay, he's a man who's living as a servant of God. So look at verse 29. Okay, we're not there yet, but verse 29 confirms that he was a slave to God. It says in verse 29, in his prayer, he's praying to God, Simeon, and he says, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant or your slave to depart in peace. So he says there that he admits that he's a slave of God. He says, I am the slave of God. So he was, a devout, he was a devout man. He was righteous. Okay, the third thing, he was looking. Okay, look at verse 25 again. Okay, the, we're building the character of this man, right? We're, we're figuring out who he is. Because then we're going to look at his prayer and his prophecy and see, look at those. Okay, it says he was righteous, devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. Now, I'm, I'm reading this other book, okay? Uh, it's a Louis L'Amour book. How many of you guys have ever even heard of Louis L'Amour? Okay, a couple of you. They're really good books. Uh, my grandpa loved Louis L'Amour. They're cowboy books. And the thing, the reason why people love Louis L'Amour books is because they, he would go and he would do all his research and he went to every place he wrote about. So like if he wrote about like, I don't know, a mountain in California, he would go to that mountain, he would talk to the people and to all the old people there and he would try and figure out as much as he could about it before he wrote about it. What's up, Elliot? Okay, so in this book, uh, Lamore is writing about a man named Nolan Sackett. Okay, it's part of the Sackett series. But Nolan Sackett is kind of like an outlaw. And anyway, he's running from people, and he steals his horse, and he's running away. 
and he gets out in the middle of the prairie. Okay, they're out in Kansas, and he's out in the middle of the prairie, and he sees a because you can see a long way. He sees a little uh, white thing, and he's like, "I'm not sure what that is. It might be a cloud." I don't know. He starts getting a little closer, and he sees that it's a wagon. Okay, he gets a little closer, and he sees that there's no horses for this wagon. He's like, "Okay, that's trouble." I should probably leave, but he gets a little bit closer just to see, and there's a lady out there saying, hey, hey, we need help, we need help. And so he's like, okay, this is a little weird. So he starts circling the wagon because he doesn't want to ride into a trap, okay? So he circles the wagon, he finally sees a guy laying down uh, in the grass with a rifle, okay? And he's point, it's pointed at him. So he keeps riding in, in such a way that he can't really get shot, and that he can always keep his gun on the guy uh, laying down. And finally the guy figures out what he's doing, he stands up. Nolan Sackett rides in and he starts talking to these people. Well, throughout the entire book, you figure out that these people are really, really bad people, but they're searching for treasure. Okay, they're looking for this treasure and they're willing to do anything to find it. Okay, and they just keep looking. So these guys are city people, is what he figures out, and they're out here in the middle of nowhere and they're about to die. They're in Indian country and they're all doing all this for treasure. They're, they're looking for it, they're looking for it. Okay, and the reason I share that is because Simeon was a man who was looking, okay? But what was he looking for? What does it say? It says he was looking, he was searching for the consolation of Israel, or he was looking forward to it, is another way you can do it, okay? Uh, what is the consolation of Israel? Isn't, okay? isn't that uh, when they're no longer under the Romans or under oppressors? It could be, it could be. Um, so a lot of, you bring up a really good point, which we're going to talk about, but... It could be that, hey, we're not under the Romans anymore, right? We're not under the Romans anymore. But I don't think that's what Simeon thought, okay? Because what is the true consolation of Israel? Eternal life. Yeah, it's when payment of sin, right? It's payment of sin. So a lot of Jews did, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. So you're, you're getting ahead of me. But uh, a lot of Jews did think that. But the true consolation of Israel is when all sins are paid for, right? And that's consolation of the whole world. Consolation means comfort or encouragement okay comfort or encouragement so when Christ paid for sins rose again now you're comforted and ultimately the consolation might even be the eternal state right where Israel can rest in eternal life right and rest in that uh, so that's what the consolation is it's the encouragement or the comfort of Israel so he's looking forward to the coming Messiah okay he's looking forward to the coming Messiah and maybe even further on because he knew a lot of scripture and we'll see that in a minute but he could have been even looking further on than that. So he's looking for the coming Messiah. He's looking for the crushing of the head of the serpent. Okay, Genesis 3.15, you guys all remember that? Okay, a couple of you remember that. Okay, remembering uh, that's the very first time the Messiah was said that he was going to come, he was going to crush the head of the serpent. Okay, and the serpent was going to bruise his heel. Simeon would have known that if he'd known Scripture, in which he did, and he was looking forward to that day when mankind would be re restored or sins would be paid for um, or ultimately when mankind would be restored. So he's looking for the coming Messiah. Uh, and it's interesting because we, what are we looking forward to? Or what should we be looking forward to? The coming Messiah. The coming Messiah, right? It's the same thing. It's just that he was looking forward to the first coming. Okay, we're looking forward to the coming in the clouds in the church age, right? When he comes in the clouds. And then ultimately, us and Simeon are looking forward to the second coming because that's when he's going to set up his kingdom, right? And he's going to rule for a thousand years. And so uh, we, like Simeon, should be looking for that as well. 
Okay, the next thing that we see about Simeon, so he's righteous, he was devout, he was looking forward to the coming Messiah, he was looking at that, he was wanting that, he was desiring that, uh, which we see even more later on in 26 uh, with the promise, which we'll talk about in a second. But the third thing, is, or fourth thing is that the Holy Spirit was upon him. Remember, this is Old Testament. Let's read the end of verse 25. He was righteous, devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Okay, remember, this is Old Testament. So Holy Spirit did not yet reside in believers permanently, right? Okay, the Holy Spirit came and it went. It would show, if he had the Holy Spirit in him for power, that he had fellowship with God in general. Okay, so think about like Saul and David. Saul, the Spirit was taken from him when he rejected God and said he didn't want part of God anymore. David, uh, in Psalm 51, after he had sinned with Bathsheba and Uriah, he asked that God would not take his spirit from him. Okay, not take the Holy... And um, so, think about, uh, think about Samson. Okay, did Samson always have the Holy Spirit with him? No. No, it kind of came and went, didn't it? Kind of came and went. So, there's all these people um, in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit was upon for a while and then left and there's a few people that he was on it seems like forever like David like it seems like the spirit was ever, always with David and so Simeon had the Holy Spirit upon him we don't know if he had it on him all the time or if he had it come and go um, and we don't know that we just know that Simeon was not in rebellion okay I don't think the Holy Spirit left someone and came back every time they sinned and didn't sin in the Old Testament okay it doesn't seem like that at all but, like Saul was in direct rebellion against God, right? Simeon had the Holy Spirit upon him. So, it wasn't like Saul. Does that make sense? So, he, was, he had the Holy Spirit upon him for power. It seems like he was a man, again, that was walking with God. He was a man that was walking with God. This is a theme that we see from him. Okay, the final one. Okay, he had a special promise. Look at verse 26. And it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Okay, this is the coolest thing about Simeon. Uh, we're not going to spend very much time on it, but it's super cool. But God promised him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. Okay, it's pretty cool. Like, it's a really cool promise. It's a, he's a unique person because of that. Uh, and he's a special person because of that. And I think that, sh- that um, I don't know, I think it would be really cool to have that kind of a promise from God, like a direct personal promise from God that says, hey, you know, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. That'd be like someone, that'd be like God coming to one of us and be like, hey, the rapture's going to come before you die. And promising you that. You know what I mean? That'd be pretty cool. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. But anyway, um, hey guys. So anyway, uh, I think that's a cool promise. So we, basically, the person of Simeon, his character, he was a righteous man. He was a believer. He's believing in the coming side. He was devout. He's God-fearing. Okay, he was looking. Okay, he was actively looking for the coming Messiah. Okay, part of that probably had to do with the fact that God said, "Hey, he's not. You're not going to die until he comes." So, I mean, I'm going to be looking for him at that point. The Holy Spirit was upon him. He wasn't a man of rebellion, and he had this special promise from God. So, the character of this man, I don't know. I would say it's pretty good, right? No. I think it was pretty good. I think he was a good man. Um, I think he was uh, like Enoch. He's a man that walked with God. Okay, and so now we're going to look at, we're going to see 
um, what's going on in this story because 27 picks up where the story is actually going. Before verse 27, if you go back and read it, uh, Mary and Joseph, they're coming to do their stuff at the temple with Jesus that they need to do, consecrate Him. And so they're coming to the temple at eight days to come consecrate and do all their uh, rituals at the temple, and that's where Simeon is. Okay, so Simeon's at the temple. These guys come into the temple to do their thing, and Simeon's there. They see him, and then also we're not going to talk about her, but that's when Anna's there too. You guys remember Anna? Okay, she was there as well. And so then Simeon meets them. He comes. This is verse 27. He comes in the spirit of the temple, and when the parents, the parents are Mary and Joseph, brought the child, the child of Jesus, to carry out for them the custom of the law, the consecration, then he, Simeon, took him, Jesus, into his arms and blessed God and said. So, the scene is, parents have the baby, they're doing their thing, they're walking, Simeon sees them, and somehow he knows. Like right then. Like that's, that's the Messiah. God probably revealed it to him. The Holy Spirit, remember it says the Holy Spirit was upon him when he was coming into the temple. And so the Holy Spirit probably reveals that to him. So he goes up and grabs the baby. I don't know if he just like goes up and grabs the baby. Probably not because like, if you're Mary and Joseph, like, hey, give me my baby back. Like, don't take my baby. Uh, but he goes up and, you know, I don't know what if he says anything to Mary and Joseph, but he gets the baby in his arms. Okay, he gets the baby in his arms, and then he prays this prayer. Okay, this prayer starts in 29 and goes all the way through 32. And it's really, it's a really cool prayer because Simeon knows a lot. He knows more. We'll talk about it in a second, but he knows more than the disciples did at the end. Okay, in some respects. Okay, I mean... And probably not in everything, but in some respects he did. We're going to look at it. Look at verse 29. We're going to read through 32. This is Simeon praying as he has Jesus in his arms. He says, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Okay, so in Simeon's prayer, we see several things about him. He praises God for several things. We're going to look at those, and we're going to look at what that tells us about him. Okay, the first thing, and we're not going to go in detail about these. Uh, we're just going to look at them, okay? But the first thing he does is he praises God for keeping his word there in verse 29. He says, you're releasing your bondservant, okay, uh, to depart in peace according to your what? Word. Word. Good job. Okay, so he's releasing him according to your word. What word had God given Simeon that he's praising him for keeping right there? That he would see the Messiah before he died. So now he's seen the Messiah. He's seen baby Jesus, who is the Messiah. And he says, hey, now, God, I've seen your word kept. Okay, he believed God the whole time that he was going to keep his word, I think. But now he says, hey, now I've seen your word kept. And for us, we see God answer prayers and God keep his word all the time, right? Do we praise God for it? Do we praise God when he keeps his word? Because he does it all the time. Uh, are we looking for that? Are we seeing it? Because he praises, Simeon praises him for it. Right here. The next thing he does is praise him for salvation. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Okay, your salvation. And we're going to talk about it in a second. For salvation for all people, just like the angels said in last week. And Simeon here is praising God for that salvation. As Simeon, our Simeon, mentioned earlier, uh, a lot of the Jews at this time, and as we talked about last week, a lot of Jews at this time may have thought that the salvation was a physical salvation like a physical deliverance from Rome. They may have thought that, okay? They may have said, hey, the Messiah's coming for that kind of a salvation. But I believe 
Simeon, especially when we get down to the end here, we'll look at it more, but I believe Simeon knows that this salvation is a salvation of sin, salvation from sin. Okay, And so he's praising God for that salvation that he brings, the crushing of the head of the serpent, the blessing of all nations that Abraham talks about, all that. Simeon knows that, and he says, hey, God, you know, this is your salvation. It's here. And he's praising God for that. And the next thing he praises God for is preparing. Okay, if you look at it, from my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people. Okay, this one's interesting too. Okay, because a lot of times in our life, okay, I don't know about you guys, but we don't, I don't know what God's doing. You know what I mean? Like, I look at what's going on in my life or in somebody else's life or in the world or whatever. I'm like, I don't know what God's doing, right? I don't understand. And throughout history, throughout Israel's entire history, they could have been saying that a lot too, right? But Simeon here is saying, hey, you are preparing, you prepared in the presence of all people this salvation, okay, this light of revelation. And so he's saying that God has been preparing this. And Jesus came at just the right time. He was born at just the right time. He died at just the right time. God knew when that all was going to happen. He had it prepared. He prepared the world for it. Okay? And we're not going to go into a ton of detail about that. But we can see that. If you go on, okay, the next thing, praises God for revelation. Okay? Simeon praises God for revelation. Look at it in verse 32. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. Now, this is interesting. Because what would most, who did most Jews think salvation was for at this time? The Jews. the Jews, right? Most of them would say, hey, the salvation from the Jews, Messiah comes from the Jews. This salvation, whatever it is, is for us. Okay? Even the disciples had a hard time with this after Jesus had died and rose again, remember? Like Paul and Peter and those guys, Paul didn't have as much hard time with this aspect, but Paul and Peter and those guys, they're all like, they're all like, well, I don't know if Gentiles are exactly the same as Jews. I don't know if we, they really get this salvation. And it, it was a process. And then throughout the churches, there were a lot of times when there, there were Jewish churches that were allowing Gentiles to come in and they would treat them wrongly because uh, they were Jew, Gentiles, not Jews. And so Simeon, Old Testament, before Christ ever did any of his teaching here, he's already saying, hey, this revelation is to the Gentiles. And it goes back to like the shepherds. Remember what we talked about last week? He said it's a great, uh, good news of great joy for who? All, all Israel? All people, right? So the angels brought that message that's for all people. It was the blessing of all nations from Abraham. And Simeon knows this. And he says this is for the Gentiles, the light of revelation to the Gentiles. And then look, and the glory of your people Israel. Okay, he praises God for using Israel. So he understood a lot. What is the glory of Israel that he's talking about? What do you guys think? Any guesses on what, what's the glory of Israel? Jesus being God's people. Okay, the Messiah coming through Israel is a big deal, right? And that gives glory to Israel. It's the glory of Israel that the Messiah would even come through them. That God and man would come through them. So he says, hey... It's a revelation to the Gentiles. They get salvation. Everybody does, and they always have. Okay, And glory for your people of Israel because you used us. That's what he's saying. And so he praises God for using Israel. Okay, this, These things show us a lot about Simeon, I think. One, he praised God. He gave credit to God. 
for all this stuff, uh, which we should too. Like we should be deflecting glory and giving glory to God in our life for the things that we're doing. But also, it's it shows us that He understands and he knows truth. Okay, not very many people of His time understood that Gentiles had anything to do with the Messiah, right? Yet He knows that already. Um, and then just all of the, even all the other stuff that He trusted God that He'd been pre- that God had been preparing the way for this Messiah for all time. That the glory of Israel was the Messiah coming through a line. All these things that He knows shows us. Okay, that he had knowledge and wisdom and that he was a truth seeker. Okay, it shows us that he had been seeking the truth about God and about the birth of the Messiah and about all those things. He had been looking for this. He had been seeking it. He had been trying to get it. Okay? And so when we look at that, I think that's important. We'll, um, after we look at the prophecy, we'll put it all together. But the, the next thing we're going to look at is the prophecy of Simeon. Okay? So we looked at his character, the person of Simeon. Then we looked at his prayer. Okay, now we're going to look at his prophecy. Uh, this is a little bit interesting. We'll read verses uh, 33 through 35 here. It's a little bit interesting because he's never like named as a prophet, but he prophesies. So we'll look at it. So look at verse 33. It says, And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about Jesus, about him. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary his mother, Behold, the child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel. And a sign will be opposed, and the sword will pierce your, even your own soul to the end of thoughts of many hearts may be, re- may be revealed. So first, we got to look at verse 33. It says, His father and mother were amazed. So Mary and Joseph were amazed at the prayer of Simeon. Okay? Why were they amazed? We don't know. Okay, It says that they were amazed at his words. Okay, So maybe it was that like the Gentiles. Maybe it was the Gentile part. Maybe they'd never heard that. I don't know. They, they should No, they should have heard that from the angels, right? So they should have maybe started putting that together. They knew that Jesus was a Messiah, right? So they shouldn't have been super like amazed that he was saying he was a Messiah. Maybe it's that Simeon knew so much about the Messiah before he even met him. Maybe it's maybe Simeon did walk up and they were like, "Wow, this guy knew who the Messiah was, and he didn't even ask us. He just knew who Jesus was." Maybe that amazed him. We're not sure what amazed him, but they're amazed at this man Simeon and what he said, the words that he said. Maybe it was just the reality of it all. You guys know how like sometimes it takes a while for an idea to set in and then you're like, whoa. Like, you know what I mean? Like, It just takes time. Maybe it's been eight days since Jesus is born and someone else from the outside comes in and says all this stuff about your child. Maybe it's like the reality is just setting in of like, man, this kid is God. Like this baby that we're going to raise is God. Maybe it's just all setting in. You know, we don't know that exactly what amazed them, but they were amazed by it. Okay, and then in verse 34, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, so he, Mary's mother. So he's talking uh, to his his mother, Jesus' mother, Mary. He says, "Behold, this child is appointed for the rise and fall of many in Israel." So Christ, the Christ, is appointed for the rise and fall of many in Israel. You know, many rose. Okay, and I think this is talking about salvation. So I think it's talking about like, hey, believers, they rise. Unbelievers, they fall. It's talking about that separation, I think. Uh, but many rise, many fall in Israel because of who? Because of the Messiah, right? Because of Jesus. He's the one. He's the one that they have to believe in uh, for that. And for the sign that will be opposed, he was opposed. And then it goes on and it's talking to Mary. Remember, he says, And the sword will pierce even your own soul. And there's several things that people think that, you know, he's talking about when he talks about the sword piercing Mary's soul. But he thinks about, I think it's just, it's all of it, it's the anguish that Mary's going to feel for a lot of things. Number one, 
She's going to feel anguish when Jesus dies on the cross, right? That's her son. Right? Yeah, none of you guys have kids in here, but if you saw your kid die on a cross, it would be pretty horrible. Okay, I think it's also the rejection of Israel, her people rejecting her son. Right? So Israel rejects the Messiah, and the Messiah is her son, and the Israel is her people. And her people are rejecting the Messiah. And she knows it's the true Messiah, yet they're rejecting her. So I think that would bring anguish. Just the fact that he's dying on a cross. So there's just all that I think is going to bring anguish upon her, um, upon Mary. And I think that's what it's talking about. And to the end, the thoughts of many uh, will be revealed. And so all the thoughts of many people were revealed by Christ and still are being revealed by Christ. So the main point of his prophecy, I think, uh, for us today is that it was all true. It all came true. Okay, uh, He was appointed for the rise and fall of many. He was the Messiah, uh, and He was opposed. He was the sign of God that was opposed. Okay, uh, Mary felt anguish for sure, and many hearts were revealed to be true or false. And so all those prophecies came true. So the person of Simeon was upright and true, right? The prayer of Simeon shows us that he was seeking truth his whole life. Okay, and seeking the birth of Messiah. And the prophecy of Simeon came true. Okay, he studied the Scriptures. He would have had to. Okay, he would have had to study the Scriptures. But he studied the Scriptures and knew who Jesus was before He was born due to the fact that he studied the Scriptures. Okay, so do we know the Scriptures and know who Jesus is? Okay, do we know that? Do we uh, pursue truth? Do we seek... Uh, the coming in the clouds? Okay, do we seek to know who Jesus is? Because we can, just like Him. Okay, And this Christmas, I think that's what we need to do. I think we need to seek truth of God's Word and be encouraged by the truth. And be a truth seeker, just like Simeon was. Okay, I know it's Christmas, and like uh, Simeon's not like the most Christmassy person. Not you, Simeon. But the Bible, Simeon's not the most uh, Christmassy type message. But he's in the Christmas story. And he's in there because he was searching the scriptures for what was true and he knew it okay and all of you guys you can study the scriptures and all of me we can study the scriptures to figure out about the second coming to figure about about the thousand year reign to figure out about those things we can study the scriptures to figure out who jesus is to know him more and we should we should be true seekers thanks again for joining us for true to the bible podcast with hunter davis if you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us.